Welcome back to the Sports Effect Podcast. My name is Kenny Morgansai. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, Andre Barkholz. And have we got a great show ahead for you. We have a good friend of ours, Dennis Weaver, also known as Dennis Dream Weaver. Uh, his, uh, he's joining us for the pod. Uh, Dennis comes from uh, a neighboring podcast called Garbage Time Takes. So he's got a lot of great skills that he's gonna and good knowledge that he's going to share with us on this podcast. Yeah, I'm super excited that you are here to join us, uh, Dennis. And um, what we like to do with guests on our pod is we like to just get to know you a little bit better. We like to uh, point out um, how sports impact people or affect people, one might say, uh, both personally um, as well as like bigger things in society. So we have a couple questions that we'd like to ask you just about um, your relationship uh, with sports and just like introduce yourself. But uh, we're super glad to have have you here uh, on the pod today are you ready i am i am and it's good to be here uh it's good to be here with you guys and and i'm excited for the show that we have today yeah so what we like so we ask the same three questions to everyone that comes on the podcast and so the first one is uh how have sports played a positive role in your life oh my gosh it's a good question i would say even going back to a young age i just grew up with them uh my my dad's a local sports writer and so i remember Friday nights on the sidelines of high school football games from uh, maybe six, seven years old uh, and just, you know, associating that time with him. And then as I got older, it'd be turned into associating that time with with friends in the community that I was able to, to build through uh, school and through different um, sports that I ended up playing and, and getting into. I remember one of the sort of rules of my household was that you would try each sport for at least one year. And if you didn't like it, you never had to do it again. So I played them all. I played soccer and baseball and football. Uh, eventually settled on golf as the sport that I would take up myself and play. And there we and, go. <laughs> uh, continue, but it's just been such a good thing for me. I think, especially with the game of golf, um, being able to to turn it into a community thing where I can go play with people, go play with friends, and and have a good time for a few hours out, you know, in nature. And then also as sort of an individual game, it's really great as well. Uh, and just give myself time to decompress after difficult things that happen in life and focus on something else that's uh, just enjoyable to me and, and focus on uh, focus on the game. And Dennis is Dennis is a pretty solid golfer. Dennis, uh, what's well, let's your, not get carried away. What's, uh, what's your best, what's your best, uh, I guess, 18 hole score? Okay. So the funny story, my best nine was one under. Uh, so I shot Ooh, 35 wow. on par 36. That was the summer before my senior year of high school is at our home course. And I was with people, so it was a witness. All right. Um, <laughs> but we were planning on playing 18 that day. This is why it's a funny story. And I just quit. I was like, I'm not ruining this. I'm not playing anymore. I shot one under. And, uh, you know, you guys can go ahead. So I didn't continue uh, to the back nine. Mark it in so, the card. So yeah. everyone else that you were playing with played the full 18. They did. <laughs> <laughs> I sat in the clubhouse and had a nice sandwich. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Yeah. But uh, on a full 18, I still I still haven't broke 80. I think I shot 80 or 81 at a tournament once. So that was my best score. It's usually, so it's usually par 72, right? Par 72. Par so that's eight over, which is much different than the, the 35. Uh, that was just kind of a fluke. But I played really well that day. I had... Uh, two bogeys and three birdies and four pars dude that's awesome yeah that's that, awesome that is wild yeah any have you ever had an eagle i have had an eagle in a match Ooh, in a high a school match. match yep so that's another funny story i know we're getting sidetracked here but i have to tell this one quick too that's kind of the point of yeah. the podcast <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> right. so it was in a high school match we were uh, away that day so we were playing down at harrison and i was having a really rough day i bogey double bogeyed the first six holes um, which is, if, if you're not familiar with scoring in golf, that's too over par on every single hole. That's really bad. 
Um, and that's a good day for me. <laughs> <laughs> Double bogey, sweet. I love it. <laughs> that was that was basically a couple strokes over my nine hole score, but in six holes. Uh, and then I eagled seven, um, and then part eight and birdie nine. And so <laughs> I brought it back and basically ended up with my average. But it was uh, six doubles to start. The eagle was on a short par five, and I hit. I hit my second shot. It was a three wood, and it ended up maybe four feet from the pen, and then oh, tapped it in. Dude, yeah, that's awesome. I was gonna ask if it was a, a par five or a par four. It I was mean, a par five. Par four. Par fours are super. Unless you're a professional, like Harry, that's hard to birdie. Yeah, you're hard to eagle, it from the hard fairway. There are a few drivable par fours that you could do it on, but even then, it's par fives are much more more common to get an eagle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, because it's essentially otherwise you gotta like. Your mid range has to just go in, exactly. Of, yeah. Like you don't even putt, like that, right. you yep. know. Um, well, awesome. And the so with your experience with sports, what's one specific example of how sports have helped you like overcome something? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I was thinking about this a little bit. I would say, I would say, you know, and maybe this is a good time to uh, plug the Garbage Time Takes podcast. Yeah, I would say that specific experience and getting back into the podcast. So we we started that back in 2019, at the end of 2019. um, And it was a really good experience. It was a lot of fun. And then obviously we had the the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, I hear something happened in like March of 2020. Yeah, so we were only like a couple months into it and uh, the whole world changed, right? And uh, I think that getting back into it the last couple of years, uh, you know, post-pandemic, after moving across the country, being in different locations, it's really reconnected me to that community in some ways uh, and and kept me in contact with the people that I enjoyed talking about sports with and enjoyed experiencing life with. And, you know, sometimes I mean, after college, you, you move on and, and um, it can be difficult. It can be difficult to, to move to a different state and, and have to make new connections and new friends and having something that grounded me. It really was sports. Uh, mm-hmm. And that over that helped me overcome that that transition in my life, and and I anticipated doing similar things moving forward. Yeah, I mean that is pretty similar to why this podcast yeah, exists, exactly. right? Yeah. I mean it's a it's a reason for us to get together and talk about sports and get to do it in a fun way, as opposed to you know just uh, sitting in front of the TV doing it. We get to just record it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you know, we're basically you know, all the conversations that we have, like, you know, in front of the TV and at bars, like, you know, we can talk about it and have other people share and share in the joy, which is great. Yeah. That's right. That's why, you know, I'm excited to be here today. And um, I, I love what you guys do. Yeah. So you mentioned Garbage Time Takes. And so, uh, yeah, just tell us a little bit about what the podcast is, where people could find it, um, what you guys do. Yeah. So, you know, obviously here at the Sports Effect podcast, you get to listen to all sorts of good conversations and drafts and uh, things about how you know sports impact society. Garbage time takes. We definitely are much more of a current events podcast. So we go through what's going on in the world of sports, um, NBA, NHL, uh, MLB, golf, anything you name it. Even soccer, we talk about. Um, mostly focused on Detroit and Cincinnati. We focus on our teams uh, and the expertise that we bring around covering them. So uh, my co-hosts there, Derek Derek Rezio and, and Bobby Epler, they focus on Lions and Tigers, uh, big Detroit guys. Even the Red Wings and the Pistons get brought up. And then I kind of come in with the the Cincinnati Reds and the Cincinnati Bengals and um, and the golf stuff. And then we we talk about some of the big national storylines as well, whether it be um, uh, you know the league's draft coming up. Um, also touch on college football, college basketball. So yeah, it's it's pretty all encompassing. Um, and and it's mostly kind of just debating and sharing our thoughts on what's going on in the world of sports. 
And where where is this? Where can you listen to this again? Yeah, so right now we're on YouTube at Garbage Time Takes. So Garbage Time Takes on YouTube. It's Garbage Time Takes on Instagram too, and that's where we're going to post all the episodes. So definitely follow us there. And then on Twitter, we're at Garb Time Takes. That's Garb character, Time Takes. Character limits. I like, it. I like it. No Spotify, Dennis? No Spotify. We're working on it. Yeah. Man, so you got to get gotta get on there. I know. If you follow, uh, if you look us up on Spotify, you will find the old episodes. So our first season there, was on Spotify. There's, there's oh. some gems on there, though. Oh, there is so some they, gems. you started Spotify and kind of went away. We did. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that was an executive decision. I would personally love to get back to Spotify, but there's, you know, a little bit of uh, uh, editing and, and, you know, subscriptions and stuff i don't know i don't understand well we'll leave that to the to your other uh, yeah we'll leave it to the it department <laughs> exactly our, our people will talk to your people get okay that there we go up, but perfect as of listeners, now we'll get there we'll as get. of now youtube is where it's youtube at. is right. where it's at and definitely if you follow either the social medias those get posted we record basically every week sometimes we miss a week but we try to get those out on friday mornings um, before weekend stuff happens nice nice little uh you know drive into the office on a friday listen right. to dennis bobby and derek not much better. Not much better. Love it. And um, one last question that we have for you is, if you could improve one thing about the sports world, what would it be? You can go from the perspective of something really big and heady of like, uh, or you can go something with something really small where like, you don't like the snacks that are in baseball. Uh, like, like what Colin, Colin okay. said, like okay. in the NBA adding like... Uh, what do you call it? Go having divisions, like where you can go up and down different leagues, like yeah, the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. So it can be anything you want. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things. There, There's definitely room for improvement. I was thinking before we got into this uh, big picture here. So um, this is this is pretty high level and, and definitely not achievable, but just something that... This is like you talking to a sports genie. And so you get one oh wish that's specifically for the sports world is really what it comes you down to. You just got to rub his belly or his head or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, you know? Can we, okay. All right. I, I, he might, this might be one of the things where like the genie's like, no, you can't wish for that. Like oh, more right, wishes, right. you know, like this might be too much. I don't know. This is too well, much I, to ask. I think you have to rub the genie's like bicep. That's more like <laughs> oh. sports related, like with the muscle. Uh, yeah. Flexing. Something. He's not not the belly or the head. I not think it's belly. more about like <laughs> the arms or, you know, this the, genie might have yeah. abs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going with the bicep or, or the quad. All you right. can go there. All right. <laughs> rub the genie's quad. <laughs> Quadzilla, anyway, maybe. maybe? Quadzilla. Anyway. All right, all right, all right. Back to, back to you, Dennis. <laughs> no, and this could prompt some discussion potentially. I often get bothered by how much of sports, professional sports, and now college sports is a business. Um, and if I could just take that out of it and make it in an entertainment product where the players are always playing at their best and they want to win and you don't have to worry about the, the contracts and the trying to make money and relocations and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. It's it it's a distraction to me and sure it's like news and it's something fun to follow, but I dislike when it impacts the, the entertainment product that I get to watch. Um, mm. So that's sort of the, the big thing I would, I would change, but it's not going away. That's, it is, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business. Uh, and so we kind of have to deal with those things and, and the players should get compensated for being good players. Absolutely. But you just also get into problems of holding out and, you know, players don't want to play unless they're going to get this amount of money and owners want to make more money. And so, it, it all comes down to money so to be like so you're saying like take the business out of it but like the whole point that sports exist is for the business right like even that little league of like it's still for the business of 
like, I mean, somewhat of the cost of, you know, all of that costs money. There's no such thing as a free lunch. But what I'm hearing you say is the part that you hate is the like constant push and pull of where the money's going, right? Like if they could just all be like satisfied with yeah. how much money that they were making <laughs> yeah, and like the owners distributed the money properly and gave a fair and equitable share and it was spread out evenly and they didn't have to like argue for themselves. Yeah, like, I'm that's like living the in the world of like complete fairness here basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I hear you. So hear it's you. not like taking the money out of sports. It's just like basically making it so that people weren't fighting about it all the time. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Okay. I mean, it, I, it is a it is a job. Uh, you know, like this is their occupation. They've worked really right. hard to get there for the, right. from the player side of things. They deserve to be paid for it. Yeah. Um, it's just when it becomes a distraction, which I feel like happens a lot. I, I it sounds yeah, it sounds like, or at least in my head, I think the NBA probably has the best setup because they have like where it's like you have different stipulations for a max contract, and it's obviously not all the same. But like, there's a max contract where I'm not sure if the NFL or the MLB or any other sport has like a set limit for what a max contract is. Well, MLB does not for sure because yeah. they don't even have a salary cap. So. Right. right. <laughs> NFL, I don't think I've never yeah. heard of that. Right. I don't so. think there's any sort of, I think it's as much as the teams are willing to pay. Look which, at Watson, Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm, which I think in the NBA, like I don't really hear about any stories in the NBA in terms of like players holding out for money. Usually it's for they want to be traded to a team like, that appreciates them more or where they think they can win. And so, I don't know, maybe instituting max contracts in the NFL and other sports could help the holdouts for like money. Wouldn't solve all the issues, but could help a little bit. Well, and I mean, owners, <laughs> they might initially love a max contract, depending on where that maximum falls. Right, right. <laughs> you know, that yeah. max is going to have to be, you know, it's going to be a highly debated number between the players and the owners which and, will then cause the issue that dennis doesn't want in yeah. the first place of fighting over it but it might be pandora's box yeah, yeah. i'm living a little bit in utopia here definitely. yeah the, but maybe the sports genie can make it happen you so. know he's got some good biceps where are we landing well okay my reason that i said quads was just because <laughs> some sports aren't like arm based and that's that it's true. more leg based that's that was true. the only yeah. reason that i said that because i was like oh sports are more like muscle and whatever like mm. using your arms based but that's why i said that so speaking of a sport that you know you gotta have strong legs one of Dennis's favorites, golf. You got to be able to have, you know, good, you know, legs and, you know, torque to hit the ball, right? You That's know? right. Everybody yeah. thinks it's about the arms. It's not, man. It's about the legs. It's about wow. the base. That, definitely. It's like being a quarterback. I've heard that as well, that it's yep. all about the, mm -hmm. the legs. But. Exactly. So one of the things that, you know, we wanted to talk to you about with Dennis was we're very interested in, you know, Andre and I, we, we follow some golf, but we are not, you know avid like diehard golf fans like i couldn't name like all the players on the pga tour you know in the same way that i can name you know are there, all the are there people that can name all of the players on the pga oh, gosh. tour well, i could sure. name all of them but i could name you a lot of them how many people are there well it is always in flux is the problem because oh, okay. it, it's okay. always changing there's people who get their pga card for a certain period of time and then they lose it and it's granted to other people also if you succeed on the corn Ferry tour which is like the minor league tour the top like five or six at the end of the season get promoted next year to the PGA tour. So there's a lot of like movement back and forth, but typically most events are going to have around uh, 80 to a hundred golfers in them. Um, wow. Of the PGA tour. It's a good chunk. It's yeah. a good chunk. 
But as Andre and I, you know, we're not huge diehard golf fans, but we know enough to be dangerous. We, you know, we've been discussing back and forth. <laughs> Call me out if the, I'm wrong. <laughs> we, we've been discussing back and forth the, all of the, I guess the politics and the discussions and the agreements and different things between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. And so we'd love to kind of get your perspective on, because naturally you golf is one of your expertise we would love to get your perspective on this and also just share with us maybe a little bit of the background of some of this of what exactly happened why where why why are we at where we're at now yeah i'll try to keep it brief and and based on what i know uh i think this has been kind of in the works live that is has been in the works for quite a while but it really came to light for me last summer uh and that's really when when things got started and essentially this idea I'm assuming it originally started from um, who's currently funding the league, which is the uh, Saudi Arabian uh, government public public investment fund, I think is the yeah, name of it. I think so. Um, and the idea was basically to build a, a build a golf league that rivaled the PGA Tour. Uh, and that was really the idea is that all of the golf, um, professional golf runs through the PGA Tour and we can create a product um, or they thought they could create a product that is uh, better than that. And uh, they certainly had the monetary... Um, resources to do so. And uh, they started getting some players, uh, notably former PGA player uh, Greg Norman, uh, who now serves as their sort of CEO and, and operating officer. They started getting some support from PGA Tour players who were, I guess, unhappy with the way that the PGA Tour is run, sort of as uh, as a monopoly where they can kind of say what they want and do what they want. One of the big criticisms against against the PGA Tour is that you have to win to make money. So it's it's very different than other sports leagues across that we're familiar with that have contracts and you do well and you sign a contract, you're guaranteed to make a certain amount of money. Can you go into a little bit how the pay structure works for these events? For the live events? No, for PGA Tour. I mean, you're saying that they don't get paid unless they win, but it's kind of interesting of how they pay. Yeah, players. so it, it works. There's essentially a, a prize pool, so there's a total amount of money per event. The bigger events, so take your Masters, your U.S. Opens, your PGA Championships, uh, they have higher um, pools of money that, that get distributed at the end of events. And then what happens is it's a four-day event, so you have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, on Friday, after the round on Friday, after the second round, there's a cut. And so usually it's the top half of the field. So the top half of those 80 to 100 players get to play in the weekend. If you get cut, if you don't make that cut and you're not in the top half at the end of the first days, you get paid nothing. So you flew out there. You were there playing you golf for two to enter days. In the yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. That was all on you and you get nothing. Um, of course, some of these guys, even if you don't make the cut, they have sponsorships and sure, they're sure. making money in other ways. But from the event, you don't get paid. But some of those guys who like are not the big names, like they could be losing money at these events. That's correct as well. Uh, so if you're not a big name, you don't have a big sponsorship, you get cut, um, you you make nothing, and you've spent you know the money to get out there. The players that do make the cut, then at the end of the final round on Sunday, it's different for each event, but obviously the winner makes the most, and then there's a, a set sort of decrease in in payout um, based on where you finish the event. And so if you weren't cut, but you're last place, you make the least. And if you win the event, you make the most. And it's kind of distributed, uh, through, uh, through that profile of 40 or 50 players, whoever, whoever makes the cut. And, and, and so, go and ahead. so you were saying that that was a problem for the PGA or for some players, like some players obviously didn't like that. So the thing that you were mentioning of your wish was kind of the reason that live golf was born was because it wasn't, you know, People were uh, not 
satisfied with how the money was being distributed in golf. Among other things, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, amongst other things in terms of just the PGA being able to dictate um, a lot of things about how events went down and, and people didn't like that. But mostly the money, I think, uh, as as is with most things, it, it felt like it kind of came down to that and live, you know, because they had the monetary resources to do so, started offering very large contracts and of guaranteed money to players who you just have to play. You just have to show up in these 12 events this year and you're going to make uh, an insane amount of money uh, to do it. And so at first it started really attracting the the older veteran players on tour who have had their day in the sun. They've, you know, big names take Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson. Yeah, Mickelson was, I feel like, the big like he was like the the first uh you know guy to jump ship he was the first domino to fall and there was a lot of controversy around that when it first happened because he was sort of the first domino to fall and and he was (laughs) in a conversation that wasn't meant to be public uh recorded saying some things about how uh scary um the Mm -hmm. the live tour and and its backing was but that the t the pga tour needed to be taught a lesson yeah. And that he was basically going to do it anyway, even though he knew that there was, you know, uh, human rights violations um, uh, in Saudi Arabia and and all sorts of other things. And basically that uh, he wanted to do it anyway because the PGA Tour needed to be taught a lesson. So there were a few of those dominoes to fall, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson. But it was really attractive to those players because they were no longer competing at a high level in the PGA Tour. And so they weren't getting paid. Uh, and so they're like, OK, I have a big name. I've had a lot of success in my career. I can just hop over here and make a lot more money than I'm ever going to win on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really attractive to them. But then you started having some of the young guys decide that they wanted to do that too. Uh, and that's really, I think, when Liv gained some momentum and took off. Cam that's Smith. when you got like, yeah, Smith, Kepka, DeChambeau. Exactly. Right, some um, of those guys. And so, you know, yeah, they they gained a lot more traction and a lot more energy than I anticipated. And the other thing that they did, which... This part of, of what they've done at Live, I think, is probably the most beneficial or enlightening, is they've made a, a team game product. And so you have all these individual players on the PGA Tour, you're just playing for yourself, right? You're just competing for yourself every week. And I think that can make it a little difficult to be a fan because there's hundreds of guys you can choose from. There's not like 30 teams. And so you, are you a Jordan Spieth fan? Are you a Brooks Kepka fan? Like those guys are not going to win every week. Some weeks they're going to get cut and you have to kind of be a fan of a lot of different players in order to follow it and, and enjoy it. Whereas Liv has created this product where they have, oh, what do they have? 12 teams uh, of four yeah, players. 12 teams of four players. And so they've, they've incorporated this team aspect, which is why the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup are so fun and, and so captivating. And, and I think they did a pretty good job capturing that and, and, has been attractive to a lot of people. And to also, you might have mentioned this, but the, so live golf doesn't do the cut, correct? Of like, you know, that's correct as well. So they, they play the full weekend, they get paid for it. They're, you know, as far as like, instead of just being sent home, you know, like two days earlier being knocked out in that way. Yeah. So they play three days. So they play, uh, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday events. And so they don't have the four, uh, four day marathon that the PGA tour Mm -hmm. has, but, there is no cut. Is is there performance bonuses like in the live events? Like, does the winner still get more than? But like, there's still like everyone's gonna get their salary, and then like the winner gets more like as like a bonus. Kind I of believe thing, I right? saw that at least of the majors, it's like just uh, winner is like a million, like so an extra million something along those lines. So. Yeah, they they can still make a lot from winning, and then I think there's incentive for the team 
the winning team as well. So oh, just being right. part okay. of the winning team, I think, uh, there's also a bonus for that. So yeah, they're, they make a lot more money. There's definitely there's definitely some monetary factors there. I mean, putting into like I mean, we're not talking a small amount of money, right? Like no. we've alluded to it, but like let's point it out of at least and I'm sure we don't know all the details of mm-hmm. everything as well of all of the money, but I mean as far as the initial reports of contracts that these individuals were signing, I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. That's correct. Um, where I believe it's either Kepka or Mickelson were seen as the top, I believe. I know. I'm trying to remember the number, so definitely fact check me or take this with a grain of salt. I believe the it came out that they offered Tiger like $600 million. I, I think that I think that was... was $600 million. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And so, but the report that I have uh, in front of me here is saying the... From what they saw of contracts, of uh, it was for Phil Mickelson, it was two hundred million. Uh, Dustin Johnson, one hundred and fifty. Bryson uh, DeChambeau, two or one hundred and twenty-five. Kepka was one hundred million, and uh, Cameron Smith is a hundred million. Yep, so, that sounds right. I mean, this is like, I mean, when you're talking about them on an individual level, making that decision for them and their family, um, you know, and you see that large amount of money, you can see why it was. Some people might jump at it and you could see why, um, like how big of an impact that could have for them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's just like, that's what makes this such an interesting, you know, scenario because it's not a distinctly good or a bad thing. Like there's a lot of really, like really smart people, really good people who are like, yeah, like live golf. Like I get the backing where it came from, but Look at what the golfers like. The golfers are, you know, getting more money. They're getting paid more, um, you know, to support their families. You know, they're getting more of a cut of, you know, the revenue and things like that. And then there's also the people who think it's a very negative thing, which go back to again, Dennis, you alluded to it, but like a lot of like, where's the money coming from to play these pay these players? And you know, what does that mean? You know, what does this mean for the integrity of golf? I think that's a phrase I've heard thrown around a lot: is yeah. the integrity of golf. Um, so it's very interesting that it's not, you know, at least, you know, at the start was definitely not a definitely good, definitely bad. Like it was depending on who you ask. And now we've progressed into this situation where now there's somewhat of a merger kind of thing. We're not really sure yet. Department of Justice and all that stuff is looking at it. Yeah. And and just to shift real quick, because you made me think of it, I agree with everything you said uh, in terms of, you know, is this positive? Is this negative? You, you hear things on, on both sides. I think one area in which it is to this point proven to be negative is for the fans of golf mm-hmm. and the, the actual product of golf, because you've split now where you get the best players and the best events into two. Uh, and at, at the beginning, it wasn't that big a deal because you, in my opinion, didn't have most of the good players. Like they weren't really getting anybody to go to live. It was like Louis Oosthuizen and Luke Donald. And, and that's fine. Um, but then, <laughs> <laughs> we can live without them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can live without them. But now we've gotten to the point where, okay, you know, these guys come back to the majors. They've competed. Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith. And you start to realize that the goal, the, the world of golf has kind of gotten split into two. And that makes each product weaker. Uh, right. It does. And, and that's sort of the main reason I, there's the human rights violations and things you can say about the money and where it came from. But from my perspective, the really unfortunate thing is just with the product um, because it got so much weaker. And now we're going to see what's happened, what happens with this sort of uh, merger idea. Yeah. And so uh, I, 
on this pod, we want to get more into some of these topics that are a little more gray. I think, you know, for our how we've started, we want to talk about the best impacts. That's our passion. That's what we've seen in sports and our personal lives and in our communities. So that's what we're going to focus on the most. But we do want to get into some of these like gray. I mean, we touched on it when we talked about NIL money. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this, I think, is probably the first time that we're really having a debate of what are the good parts? What are the bad parts? What are all of the eff- effects on... Uh, effects uh, with an E. With an E. <laughs> uh, what are all of the effects on uh, the sports world, but then also the world larger than that? So we would love to hear um, everyone's thoughts on this. With Live Golf, where you fall, whether you think that it's uh, super great, whether it's uh, not so great, um, or you're somewhere in the middle like us. Um, but yeah, we would love your feedback and your, in an email. Uh, and you can email us at the sports effect podcast at gmail.com. I just wanted to put that plug in there so that way people can give us their feedback as well as we're kind of uh, hashing it out here. But I want to push back on you, Dennis, because you were saying that it's bad <clears throat> for the overall product that is being put out there. However, to me, it's like, this is putting golf back on a map, right? People are talking about golf. It's in the news. That's a good point. Like, otherwise, it's the snooze fest that my dad was watching on Sunday after church when it was family nap time. Like, that's all golf was there for a while in my household versus now we're talking about it, I hear about it. So what do you think about that of, like, it's possible that it's increasing popularity. It's got me more interested. Like now I am like, what's going on? Like I'm very curious now. It's a good point. And I agree with you. I would compare it to steroid use in baseball (laughs) Uh, because, because there's, it's a double edged sword, right? Like, okay. On one, on one side of things, we're getting, you know, eyes on the game, certainly. But in my opinion, I would say it's for the wrong reasons. Like at what cost? Yeah, exactly. I would say it's for the wrong reasons, but ultimately does it matter if it's for the wrong reasons? Maybe not. Maybe it's fine that it's, that it's for this reason, as long as we're getting more eyes on the game. Cause I certainly agree with you that it has increased, uh, the, the golf that I see in the news, uh, the golf that I see people talk about social media, all sorts of things. And even just, if you look at some of the events, like especially the majors, they've been packed. They've been absolutely packed. Uh, people, are really, really turning to the game. So yeah, you have a point. I I guess I would speak more to it diminishing the pop product in terms of sitting down and watching the PGA tour on my television, because it just doesn't have all the same players that it used to have. Um, So from, you know, news cycle perspective and getting eyes on the game, certainly from a, I'm enjoying watching this game perspective. That's where I, I would say. So with that, would you say that there's a tangible difference of watching the product of golf that's on there? Or is it like, a, oh, I missed them. I liked watching them and I like cheering for them and they're gone. Like, are you noticing on, I mean, I, I'm curious now if there's any like statistical analysis. I mean, that's very up your alley uh, of statistical analysis. You know, but You know, I should run that. Uh, I don't have it here for, for okay. you guys today. I should okay. run that. That'd be really cool. I would say my gut instinct is the second one there. I, I don't think it's so much that the PGA Tour actually got worse. It's that it lost a few big names that people probably like cheering for. Yeah. Um, but the PGA Tour has strong reinforcements in the wings. It basically, they just started replacing the likes of Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith with younger guns that were, you know, already sort of, you know, if you want to use the analogy of in the minors, and they just started playing well. Uh, like so, Victor Hovland. Like Victor Hovland is coming. He's a good story. Cameron Young is a good story. Um, 
you know, there's there's a lot of those out there that I would say even maybe Max Homa has gotten more popular since since this has all happened. Uh, and so I, I don't think it's kind of diminished the actual product. I think the play has still been really strong and there's been some really good events and really competitive events, but it's mostly just in a few of the names that, that have gone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I think there's also like within the players, like there's definitely some dynamics of like di- different guys jump, like, you know, different mixed opinions on like who left and who stayed. Um, and the, you know, maybe animosity of different players, you know, PGA players thinking like, well, these guys just jump ship. Like, where's like the integrity? And so it's so interesting now that we're kind of in this and, you know, as we're recording right now, it's still like we're trying to figure out exactly what's going to happen with like the live and PGA is like coming back together. Like, you know, we're still in like the gray area, but it's very interesting to think about like all these players that left that maybe could potentially be brought back all together. All right, Dennis. So we kind of skipped a little bit and we jumped the gun and I think I distracted you. So I want to get back to the recap when we're going through the situation. For people that aren't familiar, you're talking about why Live Golf was created. You were mentioning that people are interested for the money, why they're jumping ship for these hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, but can you catch us up of what happened between the inception and people start starting to jump versus where we are today? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's good. Sorry for getting off track there a little bit. So thanks for bringing us back. Uh, So you started having, you know, I mentioned Phil Mickelson uh, being sort of the first domino to fall. And from there, there was a lot of discussion um, with players, uh, assumingly on the part of Liv, and you had guys, I've mentioned Dustin Johnson several times, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, and this all happened right around this time last year. Uh, A lot of these guys started going uh, and jumping ship. And then what happened was that Liv Golf had their season. <laughs> they they started playing tournaments uh, late in the summer and then played through the fall. And um, it didn't have too much traction. They were broadcasting it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it was it was free and open Man, to the who public. who would broadcast on YouTube? Oh, I know. my <laughs> gosh. I shot myself in the foot. You really did there. Wow, that was brutal. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, people were making fun of them. They didn't have a TV deal. You know, I'm sorry, Garbage Time Takes doesn't have a TV deal. Um, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. No, and, and I, I thought even at that point, in my opinion, that it was going to kind of fizzle out. It didn't seem like it had much momentum. And then, you know, kind of went through the winter. That's sticking up a down season for golf. And then it kind of came out that a, a big point that I've definitely skipped over is that a big contention point was whether or not live golfers were going to be able to play in major tournaments. So that's the four majors in golf or the Masters, the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship, and the British Open. And those are all independently run from the PGA Tour. So they're run by separate organizations that can make their own rules on who's eligible and who's not eligible to play. The PGA Tour doesn't have jurisdiction. And correct me if I'm wrong, but to your casual fan, or even really a lot of like your like diehard fans, the majors are what really like, that's the sticking point. That's like ultimately what matters in terms of legacy. That's Obviously really the matters. other accounts like, or the other events have you know, money and prestige, but it's the legacy is the majors, right? You're exactly right. And that leads directly to the point that the PGA tour was going to take a big hit if that the, if the majors allowed players who went to live to play in them, because then the players who are offered all this money from live say, okay, 
I can skip the the average tour events, the PGA tour events that nobody really cares about except the diehard fans, make a bunch of money and still come back and play in the Masters, keep my legacy, still come back and play in the US Open. And those are the ones that really matter anyway. So, the, you know, to them, then it's the best of both worlds. And that would have been a big hit to the PGA. And that's what happened. Uh, essentially, mm-hmm. the um, all of those organizations decided because, you know, from their perspective, why are we going to exclude some of the best players in the world just because they're playing on a different tour? We have no we're you know aligned with the PGA Tour, but we have no actual, you know, reason that we have to abide by what they want. And so they, they made the decision that was best for themselves, uh, essentially. And that's kind of that kind of has led us to where we are today because that reamped and regave momentum to uh, the live tour at that point. And especially apparently sort of these merger talks have started way back in even March of this year of 2023. But um, after the masters of this year, when, when Brooks won um, or when Brooks was leading, I'm sorry, when Brooks was leading down the stretch um, and was really competitive and a lot of the live guys were really competitive uh, that I think gave them even more traction. I I think that's a very good point. And honestly, like I wonder in my head if the you know the straw that broke the camel's back that ultimately you know was when uh, Jay Monahan the is that his name Jay right? Monahan Jay Monahan right. yeah the PGA commissioner if when he kind of gave in and like decided to go forward with the merger was after Kepka won the PGA Tour or the PGA Championship so I thought that as well I've heard reports that it started much 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 before that I feel like it had to have I mean we're talking about huge organizations talking and like I don't think that can happen so quickly oh I definitely think that the talks started before but i'm wondering if like what made him like close on the deal was when a non-pga tour competitor won the tournament won like the pga championship like that's because before you could plant your flag on we're the best right we are the best golf association but then when someone else wins something you're like oh you're like oh wait we're not indestructible like yeah kepka just like smoked everybody right because it wouldn't look good for the pga tour if live golf individuals were coming in and winning all the majors taking all that money away from pga golfers and then it's going to live when they were live golfers were already making the money in the first place um any uh thoughts there yeah so i that's exactly right and i guess maybe this i don't think i'm missing anything this could be a good time to transition to the the news of the merger yeah um what we know to this point I still think, based on what I know, that there's not really going to be any combined events, that Liv is going to stay as a as a individual entity, where this really is a merger is in the strategic alliance, and most notably that the PGA Tour is now receiving funding from the exact same source that they were criticizing and saying, don't leave to get funded by uh, the PIF because that's a you know moral issue and, and you've never had... Oh my gosh, this was a big thing. Jay Monahan is quoted last year as saying, you've never had to apologize for playing on the PGA Tour. And now that's come out as very hypocritical because yep. he's done the exact same thing that he encouraged players not to do and made a deal that essentially allows the PGA Tour to continue functioning with uh, monetary support. And it seemed as though they were not going to win the battle. Uh, and he's come out as said as much that they were not going to win the, the monetary arms race. And when Brooks Kepka and others from the, the live tour started having success in the major tournaments, I think to me, that could have been the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's kind of crazy. Like just everything that they've done or like that's happened. And it feels like it's happened pretty fast too. Like I know. Yeah. 
obviously some things have happened behind the scenes, but just everything happening right away is, it seems very fast. And I don't know, Dennis, this is a question I have is what's to stop now that, you know, live in PGA are, you know, seemingly going to become like more aligned with the Alliance. What's to stop some of the players like that were on live from rejoining the PGA? Like, is there anything stopping them? So that's one of the parameters of the deal that seems pretty apparent and that's it's going to be much much easier for players to rejoin the pga tour if they choose to do so so before as soon as they left essentially the pga tour banned them automatically and said that they were no longer a member and you can never come back Mm -hmm. uh that is now going to be pretty much gone uh to my understanding which means that or at the very least it's going to be very easy to reapply for pga tour membership uh the details of that i've not heard but i think that there's not going to be much stopping them uh, to answer your question Okay. Well, and right now, I mean, so we mentioned that this is very much so developing, um, but I saw um, recently that they are even, I mean, we're talking about like testifying in front of the Senate of, uh, you know, to talk and give answers because we really don't have uh, the full picture of what this partnership could look like. And then also uh, if it will happen and go through right like if it will be successful we don't know yeah (laughs) right so um that's another consideration but one thing that i want to mention or talk about is just the winners and losers of um this whole situation right so going back to the inception of live golf which there's another tour that's in there that we didn't even mention that is in this like merger yeah the dp world tour yeah that's the european tour that's the like uh um forgotten child of, uh, of the is there anyone like notable that is on that tour like, that we know of so yeah i mean people play on that tour that also play on the pga tour so you can play on both um louis ustazen was a big um dp world tour luke donald it's it's anybody you know sort of more associated with europe uh, okay. and, and from europe that you can think of i'm trying to come up with other names but there's, there's a rom? few there's rom no rom actually Rom's just only. plays on the, the pga tour okay yeah he does not play on the dp world tour but so with that, just who are the winners and losers from this whole situation as it stands today, knowing everything that we know? As it stands today, and feel free to chime in with your guys, is my main loser is unfortunately Jay Monahan, uh, because he's the one who comes out of this looking like an absolute hypocrite. And he's the one who is waving the flag of you know loyalty and Uh, You know, you don't have to apologize for playing here and we're the best and we're the best and we're the best. And then now he's kind of folded on himself. And and the other, you know, thing that I would mention sort of with this merger process uh, as of recently is that nobody really knew this was happening. Um, And that's another reason why I think Jay Monahan kind of looks like a loser is because the players were completely blindsided. And he's, you know, come out and said, you know, we had to do it that way and we couldn't talk about it and whatnot. But it is such a big change and such a big decision to do it without any support from players who have had your back, like Rory McIlroy. I was about to say, like Rory. Uh, and that's literally blindsided. Uh, blindsided is the best way to put that. And so that's why he's my main loser. Yeah, I. that's interesting. I mean, it seems as though, like, I don't know. And I don't know how much free will he has in his role, right? Of like what he's doing for what he truly believes is right versus like where he thinks his hands are tied. Cause initially there's a competitor. You're going to fight back. You're going to, you're going to say that your brand is better. Just, I mean, anything business, I feel like you're going to talk about your brand versus theirs. Um, so that part made sense. I guess the biggest question that you have of him is the switch. Like what made the switch possible or 
And I think that it has to do a lot on the X's and O's numbers because suddenly, you know, the business could catch up financially, meaning like all the analysts could calculate what this is going to cost the PGA Tour if they Mm -hmm. keep going down this road. Initially, you don't know that. You know, like, oh, you know, there's a competitor, let's try and crush them, you know, like, but then suddenly it's like, oh, no, if we keep going down this legal road, where everything is just going to keep hitting legal battle after legal battle after legal battle, and then we're going to be losing our top talent, like what's going to be left for us on the backside. And so suddenly, it seems as though he had to make a hard decision. But I totally agree with you that like, he doesn't look good, right? Of flip flopping like that. Yeah, totally agree that like his reputation wise, but also now he's going to be leading a like conglomerate of the biggest world like the biggest golf organization in the world now instead of just the pga tour like is there any way that it gets better for him is my question it it gets better for him after this yeah uh, if he can make it through without being forced to resign or <laughs> getting X'd in some way then yes it's going to be way better for him because because pga tour in my understanding is like in the driver's seat of this conglomerate. But now Liv and the European tour are like, they got their seat on the bus. Now. Yeah, no, he's still kind of leading everything. And in terms of the actual golf, my understanding is everything is still funneling through the PGA tour. It's just the fact that they're now supported um, by the same fund that is that is supporting Liv. And they basically agreed to stop fighting each other as well. I don't think I mentioned that. Basically, a big part of the, the merger was that all of the litigation that is currently out there still of them suing each other is just done. Um, they're just, they're dropping, just it. dropping it all. Yeah. yeah, Which players had already been dropping out of those lawsuits yes, already because I don't know if they knew, if individual players knew anything that were dropping out or if it was just not worth it for them to be a part of it. But, but there were a lot of litigation issues for sure before. Uh, I'd like to throw out another uh, loser, but potentially maybe somewhat of a winner. And that I think, sounds like some honorable mention stuff. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll explain. I'll explain. All right. uh, Dennis mentioned him, Rory McIlroy. I am going to put him in the loser column because I think that he was the one of the players who was the most blindsided by this whole thing. Like He was a staunch supporter of the PGA, uh, kind of the spokesperson, like defending Jay Monahan. And now, totally, totally. And now he's like, you know, looking around and he's kind of just like, what happened? Like he just got completely blindsided. Um, the one thing I will say is that Rory never like lost his like integrity. Like I think people very much still respect him. Um, and honestly probably sympathize with him because they see like, yeah, like Rory kind of got a raw deal here. Um, so I would, I'm going to put him in the loser because I think he got blindsided. But I would will say that his integrity, his reputation is probably still intact and is probably still one of the highest like or best reputations in golf in general. So did, did you have anything to say? Off of oh, that? I agree with that completely. I oh, So I want to compare and contrast that with kind of the face of the opposing side. Yeah, I was just going to say that next. So Go now ahead. we have to talk about Phil Mickelson. Is uh-huh. Phil Mickelson a winner or he's a loser? He's definitely a winner. I think he's a winner. See, okay, because I could argue that Rory is going to be a winner because not only did he keep his reputation intact, but now he's going to be associated with Live Golf, and suddenly there's going to be these increases because there's actually a competitive balance in golf where they have to be competitive in leagues. And so Rory kind of has his his um, reputation, but then also is going to be increased in money financially. Even if he's not winning, there's going to be changes across golf in general, so he gets that as well. 
flip side is Mickelson got the bag um, and got a lot of money and then was in, was fine with being banned from the PGA Tour, but now he gets to play in the PGA Tour because it's all one big happy family. Like, does he still get all of that money? Do we have any idea? That's one of my big questions. That's one of my big questions. Mm-hmm. I do not know the answer. Because uh, at that point, what is Live Golf paying for that much money for him to come on over? Because like it, it used to be like, you're going to have to sacrifice what you know of golf in order to come over here. So then we're going to pay you for that. But now it's like, the what what is his opportunity cost yeah i agree that he's a winner but his reputation it might not be but uh, yeah that's my understanding as well is that or my understanding is that live is going to continue as a separate entity so if you choose to continue to play on the live tour you will continue to get paid under the contract that you agreed to versus if you want to reapply for the pga tour you probably are getting like some prorated version of that or i don't know they haven't sorted that all out to my knowledge but I would agree that Phil Mickelson and others are winners here because they got the bag and now they're you know free to reapply for the PGA Tour. They're free to play in majors. They took a big risk, uh, especially mm-hmm. the ones at the beginning that didn't know anything. They could have gotten, I mean, they were banned. They could have gotten banned forever. They could have gotten, you know, barred from playing in major championships and they would have, you know, and the whole thing could have fallen apart and then they get nothing. Uh, so, you know, they took a big risk and seemingly is paying dividends for them. Um, but I do agree with the, the point as well that, and they've already kind of sacrificed a little bit of their reputation. So that's kind of not coming back. That's true. That's I, true. I was talking about this with my father and he was talking about how Phil was being heckled at the most recent event. And I'm sure that that will continue. But I said, I'll start feeling bad after he gets heckled more than dollars that he got from the deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so right. I, I, excuse if, me if I don't feel too bad for Phil Mickelson. Yeah. If each one is a dollar, like I'll start feeling bad once we reach the threshold that he's getting more hecklers than he is dollars in his bank account, then I'll, then I'll feel bad. Knowing what I know of Phil too, like I feel like he's going to take a lot of satisfaction in the PGA and live like their agreement, just knowing that like, huh, I did teach him a lesson. You know yeah, what I mean? That like was, that was his whole thing. His goal his like thing. to, you know, make PGA change to make them pay more and different things. Like in a way he sort of succeeded. And so I think, you know, even though he probably will still have his reputation somewhat tarnished and the heckles, you know, the hecklers, but I really think he's going to take that he knows that, you know, in his heart, like ultimately, like he's going to feel like he started something and he's going to take a lot of that and just like be very satisfied with himself, knowing what I know of Phil. Not that he, you know, won't put the money that he's gotten to good use, I'm sure, but he didn't really need it. Phil Mickelson was a very, very successful career golfer who has made a lot of money. I think the big thing for him was that he thought the PGA Tour was operating as an unfair monopoly and wanted to quote unquote teach them a lesson. And it certainly appears as though he's done that to some extent. Any other winners or losers? It doesn't have to be a person. It could be a group. It can be whatever you want. I want to throw out the fans because I think that having some sort of agreement is, like Dennis said, one of the biggest things was diluting the talent. Like, you know, now we're not going to be able to see, like, Kepka and, uh, you know, John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, like, face off, like, all the time anymore. Now it opens the door for that possibility again. Again, if they're separate entities, we don't know what's going to happen. But there's a world out there where 
potentially Kepka and DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson and these guys, uh, Cam Smith, decide to reapply for the PGA Tour. And then we have more of that competitive nature. You know, we have old the rivalries of old back. Uh, no guarantee. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but yeah. it's an option or it's it, a possibility. It's interesting. I would say that, you know, if you take <laughs> if you if you just say that live never happened, um, then to where we are today, maybe the fans are losers, but also maybe not because maybe they appreciate now more what they have and we appreciate the majors and we appreciate the best against the best when, uh, you know, we went through a period of not having that. You don't know what you have until it's gone. Yeah, that's so. right. Yeah. I mean, and Live Golf is also showing that there might be other viable um, ways of having professional tournaments, right? Like of of doing the three days instead of the four days. You know, maybe that that would be okay, right? Like it's a grind to have the four days. I'm not arguing one way or the other, but I'm just saying that I think that Live Golf is making the PGA Tour think about their product as opposed to the problem with monopolies is that if there is no competition, you have no reason to get better. Yeah, you have no reason to change. And so I think that it could improve some way. Go it's ahead. like maybe we the, talk with the Super League right. where they might not have an incentive. Right. I was just going to say maybe the PGA Tour should start broadcasting on YouTube. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there the, we go. Maybe that's there the we change go. we're all looking for. Yeah, you know, YouTube's yeah. great. Yeah. Right, so unplug that. <laughs> Um, great. Any other thoughts on this? I mean, I feel like, uh, we've shared a good amount of our thoughts. I want to hear everybody else's thoughts. So again, plug us or uh, email us at the sports effect podcast at gmail.com. Andre mentioned it earlier, but we'd really love to hear everyone else's thoughts and what you think, what you feel, you know, who your favorite golfer is, all that stuff. We want to know. Uh, you could also let me know what you thought of Kenny pioneering the word heckles. Um, <laughs> it kind of sounds like a nickname for a dog, like chuckles or something. Heckles. heckles? Yeah. Yeah. So come here, heckles. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, your potential dog, you can name that. Uh, uh, now you're getting on to something. <laughs> Another there. podcast. Another podcast. Another yeah, podcast for yeah. that. We'll, we'll see. You might hear some barks if you, on the pod. If you think that Andre should get a dog. Let him know because, you know, there's a, there's a potential out there where he gets a dog. So, But probably not getting a dog if I don't get emails. So you yeah. should probably you email me. If you bunch want of a dog, you're just going to get a lot of emails from me saying, like, get a dog, get a dog. KennyMorganSci1 right. at gmail.com. KennyMorganSci2. <laughs> after you get a dog, then then you'll be able to help convince my wife that we should get a dog, too. Maybe. Or I will firmly be on <laughs> your wife's <laughs> side. Or maybe it won't work, though. We'll see. We'll yeah. See. That's it all depends on the temperament of the dog. But so today, Dennis, I hear. So you are the we brought you on for this podcast because you are the our pro golf knowledge person. So with that, we wanted to bring you on for a segment today. And so we're going to close out with our stat that smiles back. Um, so are you familiar with the premise of the scale that we're going off of? I know we talked about it a little bit. I thought you were going to ask if I'm familiar with goldfish. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. No, I am. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, we, we are not yet, not yet endorsed by goldfish. We do not give away free endorsements DMs are open. Um, to any um, cracker brands that are sold um, in different shapes. Instead, uh, we are waiting for that to happen. So it is just the stat that smiles back. There is nothing else there. No mention of snackage. Oh, okay. We don't okay. give out free endorsements. Um, so, but if a competitor, you know, Ritz, 
uh, wants to <laughs> jump in there and Live they want to be they want to be you know the sponsor of the Sports Effect podcast. We're we're not going to stop them. You know, we'll we'll talk all about how Ritz used to you know be cu- cheese cutters. Oh, uh, see, yeah. So we're just trying to open up the market here. So yeah. we don't want to you know uh, pigeonhole ourselves here. You know that makes that makes a lot of sense. I am familiar. <laughs> we'll circle back. I am familiar with the uh, what is it ten out of ten or five out of five? Ten out of ten. The Larry Fitzgerald stat, correct? Yes. Yep. That's the yes. that's the classic. That, that is, is incredible. That's our gold standard. Ten out of ten. For those scale. who haven't, you know, listened to the previous podcast, which if you haven't, shame on you. Go back and listen to them. Andre, can you uh, fill us in on the Larry Fitzgerald stat? So this whole segment comes off of the fact that there's one stat that has blown like my mind more than any other sports statistic. And that is Larry Fitzgerald, the hall of fame wide receiver um, has more tackles, meaning the other team gets the ball most likely through interceptions, but for whatever reason that he has more career tackles where he uh, tackles the other team, then he has drops where his job was to receive the ball. And there are, you know, people that have as many drops uh, in like two seasons as he had in his entire career. Dude, Nelson Aguilar has more drops in like two games. Yeah, yeah that's, that's <laughs> insane. That, that stat, it blows my mind. It deserves the 10 out of 10. Yes. And so, you know, the profession, he was very good at his profession. And that is one stat that proves it, uh, but especially because it's kind of a funny stat that you wouldn't like think of. You know, it's not just his yards or just his touchdowns or anything like that to show it. But it's another way to show that he was... An amazing wide receiver. So you're going to bring it back to golf, I believe, I am. today. I am, and I don't know if I can compete with that, but we'll I try. I mean, there were some. I think the lowest score that we've given is a five. Was it? I know we've had. I got, I'd got. i have to look. I know I'm getting we had, nervous. We had My a palms six, are sweaty. We had a six and a half. Yeah. And so, maybe a six. So I don't you're know sure, if we've gone below six. You're probably not going to get a 10, but you could hope to be higher than a five. And the good news is you have two people. So we're both going to give a number and your official number will be the average. Yep. Okay. So you get the average. is there discussion or is this just a, you have to blurt it out and then you discuss? It? Um, uh, no, we're going dis- to yeah, come up with our numbers. Like we're not going to be influence each other. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I can go ahead. You can go whenever you're ready. All right. Yeah. So I've brought it back. Speaking of people who are really good at their profession, if you're going to pick out a golf stat, you got to go with Tiger Woods, right? Uh, and I, I've he has so many incredible stats. I had to sort through and try to find the one that was most mind-boggling. Hopefully, I've done that successfully. Tiger Woods holds the record for the most number of weeks, total weeks, at number one in the world in the OWGR, which is the official world golf ranking, at 683 weeks which is just over a total of 13 years. If you were to say he was at number one every single uh, one of those weeks. Next on the list is Greg Norman, who has less than half of that. The next active player, so a player who still currently plays. And what was Tiger at again? 683 weeks. 683. 683 weeks. This is the stat, though. This is the stat that smiles back. Currently, in third place, for most number of weeks, who is uh, atop the active player board, if you don't count Tiger, who technically is still active, is Dustin Johnson, who is currently 70th in the world, which means he's a far cry from getting back to first. He has been number one in the world for 135 weeks, which means he would have to be number one in the world for the next 10 and a half years straight to catch Tiger Woods. (laughs) 10 and a half years. Every single week. That's crazy. Because... and. Remind me, so this ranking, 
it's only like all of your majors and tournaments in the last calendar year, right? Or like what is the, or is it the last, like what's the time frame? Because it's not just your entire career. Like it's like there's a certain like cutoff of like the last like however many months of events, right? Correct. So they take like the last six or seven events, I think, that you've played in. And that is the main basis for your official world golf ranking. There's a whole waiting system and I don't understand all of it, but it's basically just like the last few months of your play. So you can easily play yourself out of it if you don't have success in a right. few events in a row. If you hit a slump, like, you know, a mid-season slump or something like that, like you could absolutely just drop from, not even like down, just drop from one to two. Because this isn't Tiger staying like, you know, top 10. Like this was the number, number one. Number one. And the crazy thing, and I, I won't count this because I didn't make it my official stat, but Tiger Woods got to those 683, mostly with two streaks that were consecutive. It was like 280 weeks in a row and 240 something weeks in a row. Wow. Which, after him, the next highest weeks in a row was like eighty, and he that's had so nuts. he had number one and number two for the longest streaks at number one. Wow, that's crazy, Andre. What do you think? I am like struggling to find words. Honestly, that's pretty insane. I um, am just thinking of, and now I'm thinking of how unbreakable it is. And also now, I mean, who knows world rankings might somehow figure out a way to have live golf in it too. And people like that. But I'm just thinking like, as there's more ways to engage in golf, like it's going to be harder to rank and Mm -hmm. rankings will look different. But like, I'm just thinking of how impossible it seems to break that. I mean, we're talking any player in our lifetimes being 13 years at the top, like literally at the top for number one, like of weeks, I can't see that happening. You know, like, I just don't think that that's ever going to happen. And it makes me realize that there's a lot to the hype of Tiger Woods, right? Like Mm -hmm. I knew that he changed golf. I knew that like, there was a reason that I knew his name when I didn't know any other golfer, but putting numbers to it is pretty wild. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's completely statistics-based. So, I mean, you can... I think Tiger Woods gets a lot of allure around him because he changed golf, which he did, and he deserves some credit for that. But it's... You know, the world golf rankings are based on performance. Yeah. Yeah. Entirely based on performance. Yeah, it wasn't... You know, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, being African-American at the top of the golf world when that's not always, you know, seen, especially with, like, country club membership costs and Mm -hmm. things like that, being barriers to... To get into golf that and so i know that he inspired a lot on that front but you know he backed it up you know like no, no it, doubt. It, and so uh but with that kenny what is your number all right so i originally was like "Ooh, is this gonna be our second 10 because when i first heard the question i thought you were saying it was uh 683 weeks straight as the number one golfer mm. i was like that's nuts but Regardless, it's still crazy. Like 630, 683 total weeks as number one is still a very, very long time. Even if it's like two large stretches, I'm gonna give this a, I'm gonna give this a flat nine. Um, it would if it was 683 weeks in a row, that would have been ten. Like that might beat the Larry Fitzgerald stat. But regardless, what it is, 683 total weeks at the top, nine, nine out of ten. I. So for the bit of, uh, I mean, we've said our 10 out of 10, right? We have set the standard of what the 10 out of 10, Kenny and I agree that that is a 10. 
However, it is about not making mistakes. It is not about achieving at the highest level mm. of his mm. of his sport. Mm. And so something is more impressive about being at the top. Like during his entire career, Larry Fitzgerald was not the number one wide receiver. He was probably always top three or four, but he wasn't sure. always number one. Always elite, yep. no doubt. Like yep. he is a Hall of Famer, but he wasn't spending all of that time for years on end as the un- like undoubted number one and to be have four times as much uh you know like number of weeks at the top like that's pretty mind-blowing also we're talking he spent what was the what was the i know you said it wasn't part it wasn't the stat but i mean we're talking about weeks at number one so i think it can fall into it sure what was the longest streak that tiger had it was 280 three if i'm not mistaken but so he, had, he had two of them that were over yeah, so it was like 283 and then it was also 240 something so we're talking five years what? that he was the number one each and every week two separate five twice years. twice yes yeah i was gonna be like oh i can't do a 10 i'm doing a nine and a half nope i'm doing it 10 hey hey let's oh, go oh man i'm i might be switching to 10 to like it's when i when you put it in terms of years and you say he's had two five-year stretches, and that was on our, those were on our, uh, uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. So that's what I mean. On, the yeah. un, like that to me is even more impressive than just like the total, like almost more impressive than the total number is the uninterrupted stretches, just because that means he was consistently the best player in golf. For he's ten- also he's also seventh on that list, just out of you know for for kicks and giggles. He has another stretch of like forty or something that comes. In <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's crazy. Like he is. There's there's never going to be anything like him again. There's right. not. Yeah, and I just think that that stat shows his um, eliteness on a whole different level than anything else that we've seen. You know, like the only thing that I can think of in sports is like Joey Chestnut in like his hot dog <laughs> eating where he's like miles ahead of everyone and like I don't know that there ever will be another one. You he know? is so good. He, you know, I'm going to quick you know foreshadow a future episode <laughs> i was gonna say who are you gonna get on to talk about joey chestnut i'm telling you right now we have talked about oh my gosh no the mount rushmore of all uh you know athletes in the world and a joey chestnut has an underrated spot oh, on that top four hot take, hot take. that <laughs> discussion know, that's, is uh, such a good discussion hot dog take hot oh dog take. no oh no um but yeah no i'm giving it a 10 the only way that i would drop off of a 10 is if i find out more about the ranking system where like it's easier to stay at the top once you're at the top or something like that where like there's weighted events and things like that but from what i understand of the ranking situation that seems absolutely impossible and i mean clearly it is very difficult if no one else has done it um and also golf is such a competitive sport of like hundreds of other people and like you're talking about the minor league coming up and all of the new people to be able to do it for that long of a period and the hundreds of people that you're going against as opposed to again larry fitzgerald that our standard is we're talking 32 teams with uh six wide receivers uh, probably on their what six to eight wide receivers on their roster yeah yeah Yeah. so i mean we're talking i mean it's a good group and i mean not take obviously he's still a 10 so you know you're not beating larry fitzgerald you just might tie but the crazy thing also is that tiger woods was uh he was number one in the world for almost as long as larry fitzgerald's entire career yeah, no, I have no. I'm going ten. 10. Yeah, there's We're no way 10. that we can go less this than is ten. A, this on is this is this is also a ten. Dennis, you've uh, you've done well. Hey, <laughs> congratulations! I was uh, 
I was a little worried about you were like underselling yourself here. And now you are the first person to uh, tie the the number uh, for Larry. Oh, you know, I give a lot of credit to Tiger Woods. There you go. There you go. You got a 10 out of 10 on the smile scale, just like that you'll get 10th place in our fantasy football league. Oh, it all works out. Wow. Just had to, got to throw that in there a little. Hey, I would really like that. Yeah, that's, maybe I don't want that. (laughs) That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. Just like I have my first pick in the 10th round. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. That's (laughs) my fault, though. My fault. Hey, it happens. It happens. We're going for it. So last thing of the pod, do you guys want to shout out anybody? I have a shout out to do. Um, go I ahead. Want to, I want to shout out Tiger Woods for that stat. Cause, yeah. And, you know, really quick, prediction time. Do you guys think he wins another major? You know, I've said no to that question so many times, and then he won the Masters. Uh, you know, I've said no before he won the most uh, his last Masters, and so nothing is impossible with that, man. I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes. I, I'm landing on no, although it's harder to prove mine correct. Um, it'll like, be it, it'll be a few years. Yeah, it'll probably. be a little while, but I mean, we'll find out. Uh, so it's easier to answer than like something in my lifetime, you know, because I will only know once I'm dead. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and so with that, I I'll land on the no. I don't think he'll do it again. Between the just accident and all of the. Mm-hmm. All of the wear and tear on his body for being at the top of the game for, you know, a cumulative 13 years. Craziness. <laughs> I, that's fair. That's fair. So, Who's your shout out? My shout out is the LPGA tour. Ooh. Nice. Wow. I went to my first LPGA event here in Grand Rapids, the Meyer. I'll give a free endorsement here All of right. the... Um, it's a Grand Rapids endorsement. Yeah, exactly. It was um, of the what is it officially the Meyer LPGA classic. And I just want to give a shout out to uh, those ladies that are doing golf and doing it well. And also um, very entertaining going in there was great. It's also such a cost effective sports thing. You can't go to any sports event cheap now and it's $10 for your entire day of entertainment as well as the food is all very affordable because Meyer is the one that's sponsoring it and so for example a hot dog is two dollars when was the last time you got a two dollar thing two dollar meal item at a sporting event at your reds game dennis never how much were uh hot dogs i don't know like six seven bucks yeah (laughs) that's all on the low end yeah Yeah, exactly that that's just a plain (laughs) hot dog there no bun i know it you know (laughs) i know what costs two dollars at a reds game what the ketchup you know the ketchup packet (laughs) that you put on your hot dog (laughs) per packet per packet packet. exactly and so just the cost effectiveness of it but also just seeing um the product that they put out on the course um also shout out to leona mcguire uh who was the golfer that i picked uh for the event when i went with my family on friday and then leona ended up winning the whole thing let's go leona so shout out leona yeah, if I could just go off of that real quick. They are incredible. Uh, yeah, they deserve the shout out. So thank you for uh, bringing that up. I have the utmost respect for the the LPGA. They are so good. Uh, I, and I just, you know, I guess circle back to the beginning. I was talking about high school golf. I played against several uh, female golfers uh, that were on the boys teams because there was no girls teams at their school. And man, they could kick my butt. Uh, they're playing from the same tees, the same everything. Um they, they have a lot of talent. Yeah. For reference, Leona, for this course, finished uh, minus 21. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the weekend. So 
just oh, putting it wow. out there. Yep. Yeah, and I've been playing golf Respect. since I was seven. Finished minus one on nine one time in my life and quit. So because yeah. <laughs> we were worried about <laughs> on it on a much easier course. Oh, so man. over the course of four rounds, you're saying you couldn't get to minus twenty one. Uh, no chance. Yeah, yeah. So very impressive. Shout out LPGA. Shout out L two LPGA. I think that's all we got. That's Th- all we got, boys. Thanks for joining and thanks for sticking around. Uh, if you've been with us this long, we thank you and have a great day. Peace. Peace. Peace.